Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hello, podcast fam. I am so excited about today's episode, not only because I get to spend time with one of my dear friends and soul sisters, but that you get to spend some time with her. And so I'm going to be interviewing one of my dear friends, Kat, today, and she does so much and so much goodness. So Kat is a holistic business coach for soul-led coaches and wellpreneurs, including me, a wellpreneur, founder of Be Well Events, host of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast, and a 700-hour certified yoga instructor slash YACEP trainer. After getting a BA in psychology and working in corporate as an outside sales manager, she leaped into entrepreneurship. Kat believes energy is your business's superpower. So doing what lights you up, fueling your body, prioritizing movement and nurturing yourself through self-care are just as important as systems and strategy. You really need both to thrive. Kat, I resonate so much with that last statement. I love it so much. That was amazing. Can you also just introduce yourself to the listeners? Where in the world are you talking to us from? And just anything else that you want to share as we jump into our episode today? Of course. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I always love having these conversations with you when we're not recording for a podcast. So it's so much more exciting that um, we can have people jump in and, and be part of this conversation. So thank you so much for having me here first off. And I felt the same way when you were actually reading my bio. Of course, I know what my bio is, but when you were reading it specifically, I'm just thinking, oh my God, this makes sense. Why we are so aligned, and <laughs> why we get along so well, because so many of our business practices and what we believe overlap so much. So Yes. Super happy to be here. I am tuning in from where I live in Portland, Maine, and um, it's actually not too cold right now. I I usually complain about the weather because it's so cold (laughs) during this time of year, but we had like a 60 degree day yesterday, which was crazy for this time of year. So I'm tuning in from Portland, um, from Portland, Maine, from East Coast, pretty much have always lived on the East Coast. As you read in my bio, um, studied psychology and uh, worked in corporate and business management and sales and marketing. Um, And then in 2018, finally jumped into 
being a full-time yogipreneur. So that's what started my journey. I've been a yoga teacher now for geez, close to a decade. And, um, I initially went full-time in yoga, created my events company. And then, um, when people started asking me, Hey, how do I grow my following on social media? How do I plan community events? How do I, you know, build my tribe like this and book out my classes and plan retreats and things like that. I naturally branched into the online space in 2019. I've been coaching online since then. So, all fun stuff. I think that is like the most concise <laughs> intro to who I am. Amazing. Yeah. And I know that you're a beach girl at heart, like our retreat oh, yeah. in Costa Rica, like Kat just shines when she's in the sunshine and not that you don't in cooler weather too, but like when you're like, I'm usually complaining about the weather you and yeah. I have that in common as well. We definitely are, um, people or little mermaids who like thrive. Yes. On shore. <laughs> I I've always said, and even I remember back in like high school, people would be like, are you from California? Or like, why do you live here? And I'm like, I really should live in Florida or California, but I'm still here. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I will eventually. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, so yummy, so juicy. And so for our conversation today, I really wanted to bring in some of the complimentary knowledge to the kind of wisdom that I typically share on this podcast, right? And I thought that it would be so in alignment with your yogi background to speak about the chakras and just energetic alignment in general and how that then therefore translates to the way we show up in work with our relationships in business, wherever. Um, mm -hmm. So as someone who loves yoga, but also does not feel entirely that educated about it. Can you just start off by telling me like, what are the chakras? One of my friends, dear friend, um, always says chakra. Like she says it was uh, such a month and I'm I like, I even just saying it wrong. If I say chakra, <laughs> well, I don't think so. If, if I learn that you don't pronounce it like chakra, then that will be interesting. But, um, as far as I know, yes, it's pronounced chakra. I think everyone has their probably own way of saying everything, but, uh, basically the chakra system is just energy centers in the bodies in the body. So it's basically different energy wheels that basically correspond to different nerve bundles and internal organs. Um, and there's, as you, I think already know, there's seven major chakras in the body and they start right at the base of the spine and then go all the way up to the crown of the head. Okay. And so can you break down like what those chakras are? So if they start at the base and then they had turned to the head, like I'm familiar with a few chakras. Like I know yeah. I talk a lot about the throat chakra in my work. That's one that I've become more familiar with in my work and my practice and around speaking your truth. And I kind of want to touch on that a little bit later. I know there's chakras for sexual health and sexual energy. Yeah. I'm assuming that's like around the womb space, the base, but can you just like walk me through what are yeah. the chakras? So without making this too much of like me just talking about <laughs> everything, we'll do like a quick overview um, of just basically, yeah, the seven chakras, what they correlate with, um, kind of like some signs of balance or unbalance. So when we're looking at the chakra system, we're, we're really, there's kind of a, a few different main components of each chakra. There's 
you know, one through seven, and then there's the name of the chakra, there's the color that it's associated, and then there's an element that's associated with it as well. So those are kind of the main things. Of course, as we get deeper for practices to balance each one of those, then we have yoga poses, we have um, different practices, healing practices, we have um, mantras you can use, different stones you can use, all of those things. But for kind of the basic overview, the first chakra is the root chakra, and this um, is associated with the earth. So this has everything to do with feeling grounded and rooted. So if this is out of balance or out of whack, it can show up as um, having a lot of fear or anxiety around your basic needs. So I, and I actually teach, um, different chakra classes for entrepreneurs specifically, because as I go through these, you'll be like, oh my God, yes. Like these can show up in so many different parts for everyone, but also entrepreneurs. But that first chakra really ties in. Like if you're unbalanced, you may see it show up in excessive worrying about basic needs like money, food, and shelter. So our basic needs, like really over, worrying and analyzing that, um, and kind of getting stuck in like a, a bit of a fight or flight response and not feeling grounded and generally safe. Um, when this in, in the body, this can show up in a weaker immune system. It can show up with cravings or addictions, um, low energy, anxiety, and a kind of obsession or need to control things. So it can show up in many different ways when it's balanced. You're feeling of course, safe, secure. Um, you're, feeling like you're, you can show up and take more risk. You have a stronger immune system. You're just more generally grounded. Um, and then the second chakra is Shvadisthana. And this one is what I would correlate most with kind of like divine feminine and your personal power. This is the reproductive system. So you probably work a lot. Yeah. I'm sure you're more familiar with this one because this one can show up a lot with reproductive issues, um, hip issues. This can even be low back pain. Again, you can see like some addictions come up here. Um, and when it's balanced, you're more creative. You have more fulfilling relationships, a healthy sexual energy, more confidence. It's just really kind of that power center for a lot of things that we think about when we think of being a woman, you know, and, you know, not only being a woman, but just having that more feminine energy, whether male or female. Um, and then the third chakra is Manipura chakra. This is the element of fire. And the last one, I don't know if I mentioned is the element of water. So it's earth, water, fire. So water, you also think of very flowy being by the ocean, you know, like dance, a lot of those things that tie into very fluid. Uh, the third chakra is Manipura it's fire. So think transformation, personal power, like owning your power and taking what life gives you and like turning it into gold. <laughs> so this, um, can also show up in the body with a sluggish immune system. I mean, a sluggish metabolism or digestive issues. So you probably work quite a bit with that as well. It could be low energy, poor self-esteem, lack of confidence, those types of things like victim mentality, always giving your power away. Um, then the fourth chakra, a lot of people know this one is the heart chakra or anahata. So this one has the element of air and it's pretty much everything to do with love relationships, compassion, and human connection. And I see this really as connection with yourself and others. So not only in relationships, but also with yourself. Um, it can show up if when it's unbalanced as like a fear of intimacy. Um, it can show up as 
heart and lung issues, higher low blood pressure, um, toxic relationship patterns, even, you know, things like colds and infections or just feeling lonely are kind of some of the ways that this shows up. And when you're balanced here, really healthy relationships, feeling the connection, love, joy, um, and things like that. Only a couple more. See, this is what I was that I'm like going to spew all this information out and <laughs> I don't want to bore it. anyone. What's that? I'm loving it. I'm okay. loving it so much. I feel like the chakras are one of those things that like, we're all maybe a little bit aware of, you know, we've maybe been in a yoga class and heard someone be like, and now we're going to pay attention to our heart, heart chakra, right. put your hand over your heart. Yes. But like, what is it really? And what is, you know, and then people talk about chakras being blocked. So this is so yeah. juicy and okay. so bold. I'm loving okay. it. So we only have two more anyways, <laughs> I'm almost done with my run through. Um, so then we have the sixth chakra, which is the third eye, um, the third eye chakra and the color here, or we're not doing the colors, but the element here is light. And this connects a lot with your intuition. Oftentimes, like think of in yoga class when it's like, bring your, um, hands together and bring your thumbs to third eye center, your seat of intuition. This is your third eye. So this is like the center of your kind of like in between your eyebrows, but it connects to intuition, um, your conscious, your unconscious mind. This could show up as a loss of connection with your inner wisdom, your guidance, your connection, um, to yourself. And you might feel lost. You might get in the body, like headaches, um, could be like blurred vision seizures, and even I've heard hormone function too. I don't know exactly how that ties in with hormone function, but I have heard that it is associated with hormone function as well. Um, and of course, when this is balanced, you have really strong um, trust in your inner knowing, your inner guidance. You tap into that. You listen to that. You're more self-aware. You have more clarity, something that so many people are always looking for, clarity, right? Um, and you have just better emotional balance as well. And then our seventh chakra is the crown chakra. Um, this one is associated with thought or the element is thought, and it's associated a lot with connection to spirit. So it's really, it can show up when it's unbalanced in depression, feeling really lost, or like there's no higher, um, there's no, there's nothing higher than you. So you don't feel as connected and, and you don't have a strong sense of purpose in the world. Um, it could show up as emotional imbalances as well, or even like a tough time learning new information or focusing, or just like an overall lack of faith. So I really think of this one as just like the spirituality and connection to something bigger. So this, when it's really balanced, you can have a really strong life purpose, uh, connection to source or connection to something bigger, and you have more of that spirituality. So that's kind of like a big overview of all of the chakras a little bit more in depth. I love it. I feel like I learned more in that than I have in a decade of going to yoga. <laughs> so that was super helpful. I'm not surprised. And I'm really loving thinking about how I can incorporate this into my work. You know, mm. when you were talking about immune system, digestive issues, yeah sluggish metabolism, immunity, like it got my brain rolling around, you know, when I look at someone, I look at them so holistically and I'm thinking about yeah. how all of the systems in the body are connected, but this is that other element too, where I can really start to bring in, well, like, okay. And if our metabolism isn't working the way that we want it to, yes, we're going to be focusing on balancing blood sugar and increasing, you know, hormone function and all of these things, but maybe this element of, Let's balance Fire. that chakra too. Yeah. 
and like doing twists, core work, you know, like Ujjayi breath. Like there's so many other elements that you can bring in. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. I'm loving that. Yeah. And I was thinking when you were wondering about the third eye chakra and how that might be connected to hormone balance, potentially Mm. it has to do with the pituitary gland. Oh, Um, right. Yeah. So much of our hormones produce from. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Oh, it's so fun. How seeing I how know. different medicines connect. Yeah. And so with that, I actually kind of want to go back to that chakra that was, you know, more connected to our womb space, like the mm. source of our feminine mm. and ask you a little bit about like, what practices do you specifically rec- recommend for women mm. to connect or like get either unblocked or more in balance with that specific chakra. Oh yeah. So good. I love, I love teaching this one. I actually resort to this type of class a lot because it's also really fun. Like if you think about this chakra, a big part of it is it's like creativity. It's fun. It's dance. So a lot of times in yoga class, when I'm doing a a focus on the second chakra, I'll, I'll throw in like, okay, you're in goddess pose, start dancing, like moving your body fluid motion, like a lot of vinyasa and flow. So if you're wanting to focus on this specifically dance, like take dance breaks or just like move your body naturally. It doesn't have to be any specific way, but just like dance and have fun and move your body. Um, go to the ocean. I I think of this a lot, Stephanie, with in Costa Rica, actually the exercise that you led in the ocean of like, it kind of ties into that of doing any work with water. I mean, this could be like a bath. This could be um, anything that is by water. If you can go to the ocean, go meditate by the ocean, like that would be amazing. Hip openers are really good for this chakra. Just opening up that space twists, um, anything that brings in creativity. So whether you like to draw or paint or, um, you like to organize your social media feed or create on Canva or anything that's like creative to you with photography, maybe. Um, so really thinking of creativity, dance, fluid motion, ocean, water, um, twists, there's different gemstones. I'm not as good with the I'm not as knowledgeable on the actual the gemstones. You can kind of, you could look this up and find specific if you like to work with different crystals and things like that. Um, there's different ones that correlate to that as well. I love how there's just so many avenues. It's like dance, take a bath, go to the mm. ocean, you know, like, and that it doesn't have to just be one way. I think so exactly. often there's an intimidation factor around the chakras where it's like, well, if I'm not a really well-versed yogi, how am I going Mm. to get in balance with that? Or how am I going to learn or focus about this? And I loved how there were definitely some yoga poses that you said there, but there were so many other avenues, even if you're not in yoga every day, how you can be working with these energetic centers. Yeah. I would say that you really can do practices to balance. If you don't want to do any movement or you're just like, for whatever crazy reason to me, at least remember to wash your hands. Sorry. My Google at home talks to me. I forgot about that, Um, but there is practices if for any reason that you, you know, we're not wanting to do yoga or specific movement practices, there's different things that you can do for all of these. And so that was the chakra that you most associated with the divine feminine. Are there other chakras that you find women tend to either be blocked in more than men or that typically like you'll see women struggling with Mm. more? I know in my practice, one that I'm very familiar with is the throat chakra because 
like the majority of people with thyroid dysfunction, over 80% of people with thyroid dysfunction are women. And Mm. we've really been able, in some of the trainings that I've done, been able to connect a lot of that back with the throat chakra. And a lot of times it's a result of the society we live in and women feeling afraid to speak their truth. And like, you know, when we hold that back, it can actually manifest in thyroid issues when we're like not opening our throat. And so I always think of that one as an equally feminine, maybe not accurately, but equally feminine chakra. Are there others that you've identified over time, you know, that you find like typically more women will struggle with? I think the second one that would tie into that or that women, I think really almost the number one that women specifically would typically struggle with would be the throat chakra. I think just from so many different reasons, um, but definitely opening up that throat chakra and just having this sense of needing to be more timid or, you know, just quiet in general. Um, so that one, definitely, I like to do practices of like lion's breath, like where you're getting uncomfortable and, or even ohms, like ohming really loudly and, and practices like that are really good for that as well. Um, I mean, it's so personalized and I I think for another, like a generalization for that would be hard to pick one other. I think that it just depends on who you're speaking to. I mean, maybe the heart chakra, as far as relationships go, um, that could show up. Um, probably the other one would maybe be like the third chakra, the power and the personal power and strength Mm -hmm. and really believing in, in yourself to go after a bigger vision and, um, to really put yourself out there. Yeah. But I think it's just so personalized. (laughs) Just depends in different seasons and different circumstances. Yeah. And, and I think probably so much of this is based on, you know, our own, traumas experiences, what we're taking from our childhood or relationships or whatever it is and definitely really influences people. Okay. So now I have a question because I feel like I'm someone who really vibes with this element of yoga, of yoga Mm. philosophy. And just like, you know, I used to go to a studio in San Francisco that I loved that was very much I mean, it was hard physical work, but there was Mm -hmm. always something to ponder on. It was about taking the practice off of the mat. Like it just was something deeper to it. And I feel like today, so many yoga classes and studios, generally speaking, are very workout focused and they miss the opportunity to like bring in some of these spirit, more spiritual elements or these energetic aspects of yoga. Um, and I'm kind of curious, just like as a yogapreneur and, you know, also in working with so many other yogis now as a mentor, what are your thoughts on that in general? Like as yoga is kind of moving into just this more workout space, because I bet there's a lot of people who are listening to this, who have been going to yoga for a decade and have barely heard any mention of the chakras. I think it's just really, it's so dependent because here in Portland, I think of the studios around here and it's not like that at all. Most of the studios here are actually way more focused on the are more, not necessarily spirituality, but they're not as workout focused. But what I will say about this is 
I think back to even when I was in my 500 hour training in India and our um, teacher there who was a guru, you know, who was our guru and who was a monk for, you know, 14 years or whatever. And this would come up a lot there of like, well, how do we convince people to want to be more interested in the spiritual practices? Because a lot of people it just comes down to a lot of people that go to yoga, they want to do it for mobility, flexibility. Like I think of myself, I'm I'm the perfect example of this. When I first started yoga, I was seeing a personal trainer and she said, you know, I was getting a lot of attention and she said, you should try to find a yoga class to go to once a week to help, you know, loosen up the body. And if I had walked into a yoga class and it was all spiritual and really intense, I would have been like, nope, not not going to do that at that time. So I think a lot of the people, the yoga practice, the more physical practice is like a gateway to opening up and taking it more off the mat. So I think that's why a lot of the classes, at least um, in especially Western culture, where it's kind of like trying to introduce it and, and like slowly <laughs> lead people there. Um, it would kind of scare a lot of people off or, um, have a lot of people not necessarily want to come to classes if it's all spiritual work. So I think if you're really wanting to dive into that and, oh, going back to what my teacher in India would always say is that showing is better than telling. So really showing those practices instead of trying to like convert people to believe something or, you know, put more of those spiritual practices in there. And then when people get to the point like you, who they are interested, they do want to learn more. They do want to go deeper. Then they'll ask. And then it's great to have that knowledge, to be able to educate and give them resources on where to go. So in my opinion, that's, I would say why a lot of the classes are more focused on the physical and Another part of that is it's very sneaky because when you start practicing yoga, you naturally start to learn these things. You're calming your nervous system with breath work. You know, you're balancing the chakra system without even knowing it because yoga classes are designed to balance energy centers and yoga is really meditation in motion. So you're doing all of these practices that help balance things like the chakra center, you're just not necessarily knowing that you're doing it, but you're still doing it. You're still, you know, meditating. You're still becoming more aware of your body and noticing where those blocks may be. You're, you know, you're still moving and manipulating the energy in the body and flushing things out and recentering. So you're still doing the work. Um, but if you're interested in more of the why behind it or the spiritual practices behind it, I think oftentimes it's hard to do all of that in a public class and still get the practice. Um, I mean, I've definitely done chakra focused classes and themed classes. And, and to your point, I personally, when I'm teaching, I always love to drop nuggets of something that ties back to spirituality or how you can take this or thing, you know, meditation, like thoughts to consider or reading a passage or something like that, where you are taking a little bit more away from the practice than just physical, but that would be some of the reasons why I would think that, um, it's kind of going that way. Yeah. I love how you illuminated that whether or not you think you're doing it, you're probably doing it just by showing up for the physical yeah. practice, even if there isn't that energetic focus, um, yeah. that's happening inside the body without you even trying. And another thing that you said that almost made me chuckle because you were like, 
you know, it, it's kind of sneaky and like the best what thing you can do is lead by example, right. Mm. Is you know, by showing. And when I, I deal with this all the time, when clients want family members or friends or people around them to start adopting the new lifestyle and dietary habits that they've yep. adopted and it, they find that there's like tension there. I'm always saying the best thing you can do is lead by example and let people come to you, right? Let them be like, Ooh, okay. That actually yes. looks kind of interesting. And I want some of what you're having because you look really energized. And so, you know, if you are someone who has gotten to the point with your yoga practice, where the energetic piece does feel important to you, and maybe you're not in a place. I mean, I know I really struggled this with this when we were living in Atlanta, like I could not find a yoga studio that did that for me to save my life. Mm. Um, and that is just reminding me like to go back to being an example in every setting that you can be and hoping that like the domino effect then comes into play for sure. Absolutely. And so yeah. Like for, for someone who's listening to this and who is like kind of in a situation that I was in, what is like one thing that you think they could do when they're going to maybe their like more core power, like focus, mm. you know, like challenging yoga class to just recenter themselves on that energetic alignment piece. Do you have like a single practice that you think that they could bring in to bring back the energetics? Are you saying like when you go to, so say you're going to a core power and I actually, one of my trainings is in core power. And so it kind of surprises me that they wouldn't be because at least in Boston where I trained and how I practice, you know, that was a pretty consistent practice to, to tie in intention and theme and bring in the spiritual practices, but regardless. So if you're going to any class that is purely physical and doesn't have any of the energetic practices are, are you saying that makes you feel kind of like your energy is not grounded or does it, and how you might be able to bring that more into alignment? Or are you just saying, if you don't, if you're not able to find a yoga class that focuses on that, what are some ways that you can dive deeper into that? Mostly the latter. Like I okay. felt like when I was, and I just use core power as an example, I don't actually like hot yoga. So I've okay. once, <laughs> yeah. um, but I just know that they do like skull yeah, talk and things like that. But, yeah. um, but like, you know, I know when I was going like, for example, I was going to a class in Atlanta that was a prenatal yoga class mm. and it shocked me that there was no connection to like the fact that we're growing life or the baby, mm. there was nothing. It was just like, we're going to do movements that are safe for pregnancy and, you know, like take some deep breaths <laughs> and like that right. was the of it. And I just, I always left feeling like they missed the mark for me mm. in terms of having that extra element of connection. And so I know for myself, like I would just like try and talk to my baby during the class, but that's yeah. obviously like a very unique to being pregnant experience. Right. So I'm curious if for someone who's in a class that they're like, okay, maybe this is giving me those physical aspects. I know I'm balancing my chakras by doing the physical mm -hmm. poses, even if it's like sneaky, what is like one thing that they could do on their own to bring in that element of the energetics? I would say that's just really personal. And this is probably another reason to answer your question, why this isn't done so much in classes, because to your point of, you know, where you have more of this background in spirituality and connection, like to you, that practice feels really good. So you talking to your baby, but to another woman that maybe hasn't done a lot of yoga, they, they're not spiritual and they're just wanting to go and do some 
movement to help with, you know, the birth process or whatever, like open their hips or something, then that could be really weird to them or be like, well, what, what is she talking about? Like, I'm never going back to that. I was just trying to loosen up my hips or something like that. So I think like, if you're wanting to focus on something specifically, that's where, you know, one-on-one or finding a program that is specifically, that is specifically doing what you're, you're wanting, like is tying in more of the spiritual practices. If you're just looking for general grounded or connecting to your body, I mean, just really focusing on how everything feels in your body when you're in the class, when you're in the movement, of course, is just a good connection to your body practice and awareness practice. And then of course, meditation you know, meditation awareness is really the, the, a huge part of any chakra alignment or energy or really anything starts with an awareness and meditation is just really what helps us do that. So if that means, you know, staying a little after class and spending a, a little bit longer, um, time in Shavasana and meditating, um, you could do that, but outside of that, yeah, I think it would just be more personalized. Mm, or just finding, that. or just maybe finding a fit that's better. I, I mean, you could also read books and do things on your own. Um, you know, if you wanted to dive more into the spiritual practices, the yoga sutras of, um, Pantanjali, I'm totally pronouncing that wrong, <laughs> um, would be a really good place to do that. Or, you know, even the, the Gita or something like that, where it's more, focused on the actual spirituality of it and not the movement piece as much. Yeah. I love that idea of bringing just like extra time in Shavasana or meditation after class. And Mm -hmm. something that I actually did, I forgot about this when I was, before I was pregnant in Atlanta is I would like focus on a quote that I would read before class, like a little mm. passage. Cause I loved when teachers used to do that yeah. and I would like, just bring it into class with me like privately. And like, that was right. my intention and focus. Mm. So that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Setting, having a mantra or intention. That's something that I do sometimes too. I I'm, I'm the same as you. I love when a teacher, and this is great. If there's any yoga teachers listening to take this kind of as feedback and pay attention to this too. Cause I think it's just the intentionality. It comes down a lot of times to the attention the intentionality of the teacher. And I think some teachers are really good at this and some teachers, you know, don't pay as much attention to this, but those little things like planting the seeds of an intention that you may have for the class or reading a quote or something like that is so simple to add into a class. And yet so many teachers don't do it (laughs) and it can totally change the experience. And the people that aren't into it, they discard it. But I mean, in pretty much every class, I would say, absolutely plan a seed for some sort of intention. Or like a lot of times when I'm beginning a flow, I say, you know, here, if you want to join me in my intention, then here it is. If not take whatever intention is feeling fitting for you today or anything that you brought to the mat or anything that you want to focus on during this practice. So it's giving that people that option to bring your own or use this as inspiration. Yeah. I love it so much. Everything we can do with more intention, the better. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have one more question for you All right. and it's what does being in your feminine flow mean to you? Being in my feminine flow really comes down to, I would say, releasing like the rigidity, that word sounds weird to me right now, like not being so rigid, (laughs) 
Um, and just softening into more of the flow, kind of like going more with the flow and just softening overall and going more with the flow of life and not needing to control everything. Um, and, and really leading from intuition and tapping into your intuition more, of course, creativity, um, and just honoring your cycles and seasons in general, I would say is what being in my feminine flow looks like. Mm. A woman to that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kat. And where can listeners find you to get more goodness from you? Um, Instagram's probably the best way to, to connect with me. It's at Kat Sanuski. Um, you can also check out my website, katsanuski.com, but usually Instagram's the best place to connect. Amazing. And if people want to come spend time with both of us, mm. how can they do that this year? <laughs> Peru in December. And the retreat is actually based around the chakra system. So we'll be doing all the flows specifically for each seven chakra. And we also have some really awesome workshops that tie into balancing those chakras as well. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait retreat center that we're hosting at is like, has all these bungalows that are like chakra specific. And that was honestly like what got Mm. me interested in this topic. So I'm really glad that we're going to have an opportunity to do that and collab on that. So if you're really wanting to go to Peru this year, we'll put the link to the retreat page in the show notes. And I, we'd love to have you. Yes. Thanks for joining me today, Kat. It was such a pleasure, my love. And everyone go follow Kat on Instagram. She's awesome. You will learn so much. And yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much.